Last week we heard of Paul's great affirmation that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a wonderful moment in that great letter to the Romans, a kind of climax to the chapters that have led up to it. It's where Paul sums up the gospel, that nothing in life or death can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And he's spoken of that love, but then he changes direction. What comes to his mind is the fact that many people have not accepted that message a glorious pearl, a glorious treasure. But his own people, or many of his own people, have rejected this message of a Messiah. And so in the next three chapters, he struggles with what is the place of the people of Israel, the Jewish people within God's plan. He believes passionately that the people of Israel are loved by God and have a part within God's plan. God has not rejected them. And so over the next three chapters, he works through that, takes many different approaches. But we begin with that sense of his anguish that the message has not been accepted. And Julia's going to read that to us. Romans 9, 1 to 5. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah who is God over all, for all forever praised. Amen. And among the great treasures of the story of Israel and the Jewish faith are the Psalms that Jews and Christians alike use to worship their God. So we're going to use part of Psalm 103, reminding us of this gracious, compassionate God. And I invite you to share in this psalm with me. I invite you to say the words in bold print. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. 
The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will sing the praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And so our prayer. Gracious God, you are so rich in love. Speak into our hearts your living word in Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to begin today's reflection by giving thanks, giving thanks to God for the Jewish community and the great heritage of faith that it brings. And first and foremost, I want us to give thanks for Judaism as a living faith, active across the world today, varied in its expressions from strictly orthodox to reformed and liberal. But at its heart, faithful, to the living God, witnessing to the oneness and greatness of the maker of heaven and earth. I think the positive contribution of the Jewish community to our nation is huge. And I know that we listen with real respect to the words of rabbis writing, uh, broadcasting, um, right from the humorous Rabbi Lionel Blue uh, to rabbis of today. Let's give thanks for that community. And let's give thanks, secondly, for the great debt that Christianity owes to its Jewish roots. Let's give thanks for the witness of the Hebrew Scriptures, what Christians have called the Old Testament but no less fundamental because it is old. The new doesn't replace the old, but fulfills and moves the old forward. And we need both. And both are scripture to us. And through both, God's word speaks to us. Let's give thanks for the great hymns of the temple, the Psalms, 
that are so precious to us, that speak of all the different emotions that we feel in this journey of life and journey of faith. Let's give thanks for the Messiah himself, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, the man from Nazareth, the son of David, who has changed our life. The pearl, the great treasure that we have found. Paul at times questions where his Jewish faith had led him. He knows that he went wrong in the path of faith at times and that he needed Jesus to bring him back to the living and loving God. But he doesn't question the importance of the Jewish heritage to his Christian faith. He remains a Jew, a Jewish Christian, a, a Jew who has accepted Jesus as their Messiah. He hasn't ceased being a Jew when he became a Christian. They are still his people, his own, his own race, the people of Israel. And so he lists some of the great uh, wonders of being part of that people. He writes, to them belong the adoption into the family of God, the glory of the living, eternal God, the covenants between God and his people, the giving of the law to lead and guide us day by day, the worship in the praises and prayers of the Psalms, and the promises of all that God wants for his world. And to them belong the patriarchs witnessing to the faith, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all. God be blessed forever and ever. Of course, Jewish Christians like Paul were confused, distressed, puzzled that their fellow Jews had not recognized Jesus as the promised Messiah. Understandable in many ways because Jesus wasn't the kind of Messiah that was expected. A crucified Messiah is a paradox that many struggle with. But all the same, Paul was distressed. He felt that the Jewish community, the people of Israel, should be leading the way to Jesus and the Gentiles and, and the rest, the rest of humanity, would be following along. But in fact, he discovered that it was at times the other way around, that the Gentiles were accepting Jesus and his fellow Jews were not. It caused him great anguish, great distress. And it's an incredibly moving beginning of that chapter where he says, I am in anguish for my fellow countrymen, my fellow people, my people. 
Do you sometimes feel that anguish? I feel that anguish for our nation at the moment. I think we have got it wrong in many, many ways. And I just hope and pray that we will come to our senses. But Paul felt that anguish deep, deep indeed. Of course, one of the tragedies is that some Christians then decided that if some Jews were rejecting Jesus, then Jesus had rejected the Jews. The most preposterous view possible. How can you reject a people that is Jesus' people, that is Paul's people, that is Peter's people? These people are precious to God. And one of the great tragedies of the story of our faith is how the church and synagogue separated, how Jews and Christians became in tension. And to begin with, I suppose the, the powerful synagogue was persecuting the small burgeoning church, but soon it became the other way round. And the church, as it became stronger and stronger, started to persecute uh, and deny the place of the synagogue and the Jewish people. It's a massive tragedy that we are still recovering from. The shadow of the Holocaust remains dark on the church and the world today. For Paul, the faith of Israel the Jewish faith was of immense importance. This is our heritage, our shared heritage, and we should celebrate it. I think sometimes Christians can be amazingly insensitive and narrow-minded, thinking that their idea of Jesus must be accepted by everyone else. But maybe Jesus is bigger, greater, more compassionate than we can possibly imagine. Maybe we will only learn the fullness of Jesus and the love of God as we learn from our brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith and in many different faiths and even people of no faith, learning together of that amazing compassion of God. We must recognize that our proclaiming of Jesus as Lord and Messiah comes with centuries of accumulated baggage. It will take huge humility and utter dependence on the loving Spirit of God to start to heal the wounds of the past. To be able to speak of Jesus as Lord in a way that honours and respects those of many different persuasions. Paul begins this passage by speaking of his anguish. He ends it by saying that he could even accept being cut off from Christ for the sake of his people. 
is willing to make that sacrifice. The Christ who is his great treasure is the centre of his life. He could wish that he was cursed if it would bring his people into a loving, living relationship with their Messiah, Jesus. Would we be willing to make that sacrifice for others? Paul shows just how far he has identified with Christ by making that statement. But to be willing to be cut off from Christ shows that he is in Christ. He's understood the very nature of the love of God. The love of God shown on the cross that Jesus was willing even to give his life, not just for his friends, but for his enemies and for the world itself. May that kind of sacrificial love inspire us, that love that Paul shows in this passage and that love that Christ shows us day by day. May that inspire us in all our relationships with our neighbours, our community uh, and beyond in this week ahead. Blessed be God forever and ever, the God whose compassion is so great, whose love is so rich. Amen.